At long last, the boys have been waiting all year for this. The long-awaited double-header Halloween episode of View the Right Thing. First up, Wes and Steve visit the small, quiet town of Tarker's Mills, where a young paralytic boy, his sister, and uncle find themselves on the trail of a werewolf in the adaptation of the Stephen King story, Silver Bullet. Tech, you're going to shoot a 44 bullet at anyway. Made out of silver. How about a werewolf? Next, an anthology film weaving five different tales together in stories that turn Halloween-themed pranks, urban legends, and horror film tropes on their heads in 2007's Trick or Treat. This is the one night that the dead and all sorts of other things roam free. So hoard your candy, lock yourself in the back of the closet, and try not to make a sound for this episode of View the Right Thing. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hey, welcome back to another episode of... Yes, welcome. View the View. right thing. The right thing. View the right spooky thing. Oh, view the right halloween thing. Yeah. View the right scary thing. Sure. View the right stranger Terror. thing. Oh, Oh, that's a regular one. Technically, a TV show. I was gonna say, terrifying. We won't. Oh, view the right terrifying thing. View the right spine tingling thing. Oh, do you think the tingler? Do you think there's a, a, a working model of the tingler left anywhere in the world? I don't know. The old. Uh, it was one of those old William Castle tricks. Little zappers in the seats mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. would tingle you. I mean... They would say, the tingler has escaped into the movie I don't theater. think it was actually a zapper. I think it was a, like a little vibration. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, and I think they still continue to use it in places like Disneyland. That's true, huh? Yeah. And good old Bugs Life. Mm-hmm. Wes. Steve. It's October. It is October. We called an audible in the last episode. We did. And we decided we were going to watch two movies... Each, glad, so to speak. I'm glad you're refreshing my memory. It's been a long time since that last episode. It has. And we were thinking, hey, what if I pick two favorite movies that give me in a Halloween mood? Sure. And you pick two favorite movies that get you in a Halloween mood. Sure. And we said, let's do this. I mean, I know what mine are going to be. Yeah. And I know what yours are because we just watched we them. We just watched them and we're literally about to discuss them now. Not right this second, but... But sure. on this episode yeah. that That's you true. are listening to, That's true. dear listener. Um, so my first movie was Thriller by John Landis. Come on, it's only a movie. Remember? I mean, when, it's it's then, long. It's short film. Like. Said, Come on, I'll walk you home. Not feature, <laughs> not feature length. It is really not, but uh, that's not my first movie at all. However, very similar themes mm-hmm. in a way. Mostly transforming from a human into a werebeast. Yeah. Because a lot of people don't entirely put it together. But in Thriller, he's a cat. He's not a wolf at all. Well, he's actually neither of those things. He's a But he looks a lot like a cat. He turns into an undead. Well, no, remember when the movie that I they're know, watching. I know. He becomes a were cat. Yeah. A were panther maybe. Yeah. Some sort of But yeah, a lot of people are like, "Oh yeah, well, he's a cat, man. He's got whiskers like a kitty. He's got cat's eyes. 
Nine Lives. Forget the hearse, because I'll never die, right? ACDC. Wes, what movies did we watch for today's episode? We watched... I forgot. We Come on, you didn't S- forget. Sliver Bullet, starring Sharon Stone. Silver Bullet. Oh, Steve Sliver McQueen. Sliver Bullet. Whoa, that'd be a wild movie. Yeah. What are you going to do? Car chase me for smoking? That, that would be a line. Wait, that was... you. Wasn't that Basic Instinct? Oh, yeah. I don't remember any of her you lines your, from Sliver. You got your... Uh, your saucy Sharon Stone movies mixed up, my friend. Was Sliver the one with the with that song from UB40 on yeah. the soundtrack? That was yeah. that was huge. It had, what was it? It was a. Uh, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't Fools Rush In, right? I don't remember. They, remember they covered Elvis's Fools Rush In. Yeah, I, I do remember. Maybe it was that? Oh. I do remember that it was about like video cameras and people's like bathrooms and stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a it was like a, an watched. apartment building that was essentially completely uh, surveyed by a perv, pervy perv, like a one Walt Dogsney. Don't move into the sliver. Who is Walt Dogsney? Uh oh, your your dog is a perv. Yeah, he's a total perv. How so? Have you ever seen how he acts around women? Uh, Pretty pervy Human women or yeah, women human dogs? Wo- human women First I almost said living women What does that mean? Oh that's good Yeah he's never humped me and I got big sexy legs <laughs> And I would think he'd just be real real turned on by these strong calves Yeah I mean I am Wes we watched Silver Bullet We did watch Silver Bullet 1985 Yep And? Uh, trick or treat, trick or treat, two thousand seven or both, possibly eight. Both fun sure films in their own right. Man, I love these movies. Man, I love them so much. I can't count all the ways I'd rent you again, and all they can say is the boy's no good. Um, we started with Silver Bullet, the older of the two movies. Yeah, dare I say the. Scarier? Mm. Maybe? Mm. Maybe not. Hard mm. to, de- to determine which one was scarier. I'm going to go with not scary. No? no? I don't know, man. That scene on the covered bridge is kind of scary. Mm. I'm going to dive in. Should I dive into the plot of Silver we, Bullet? Or should we talk about some trailers and movies we've seen? I mean, I haven't really seen anything new. I've been withholding from watching new trailers because there's a new Star Wars Episode 8 trailer Yeah And I've I've been avoiding it I'm not watching it Desi said she watched Okja And we watched Okja together How was it? It's very good It's moving Yeah Um It's sad I've heard Uh It's pretty brutal to watch Really? Yeah I mean it's just like I don't know It's all about like Animals as food right? Yeah and I'm not, it's not like overly preachy though. It doesn't feel like it, like PETA made it or anything. Okay. Um, Interesting. It's, it's made by. It's the like clearly the, this is the plot, and yeah. so it it does deal with it. But it's not like I don't feel like I ever felt like somebody was like. You're a monster for okay. eating meat. I never like felt that. That's interesting to know. All right, I still haven't watched it. I heard it's made by the same guy who made Snowpiercer, right? It is the same guy who made Snowpiercer. I've only watched Snowpiercer once. I like Snowpiercer. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. 
I have my issues with Snowpiercer. I mean, to set a whole movie inside, like, sort of that one... A choo-choo train. Yeah. And, but then, like, to be able to really find creative ways to vary what it looks like inside... That I can agree with. Um, the, the design on that, the production design, is really impressive. That I can totally agree with indeed. Yeah. What was the last movie you went to see in the theater? I haven't seen anything since since we talked last. Whoa. I saw... Trafficked, but I mentioned that in the last yeah, episode. Yeah, you talked about that last time. And then... I find it hard to believe that you've seen anything since the last time we, we spoke. I almost think I have. I almost went and saw Blade Runner today. Yeah. But I decided to give it a couple more days. I'm not like... Give it a couple days. I'm not feeling like I need to rush out. No. No. After the way this opening box office weekend went... You Nobody might, else's. You might need to. I don't know. Hopefully word of mouth will pick it back up again. I mean... I've, I've heard only one bad thing about it. I've got a pretty good TV, so... If That's I have to wait true. till... I have essentially like... You know... What if they take it out of theaters and then you can't watch it until 2049? Well, I think that's unlikely because it did so poorly at the box office yeah. compared to expectations. That's true. Um, doesn't mean it's a bad movie, though. Right. It just maybe means it's not for everybody. I hear it's an absolutely incredible movie. But, you know, like the first Blade Runner, it's just, you know, it's a not little... Not for everybody. It's got a very patient pace. I think, I think some people really revere Blade Runner without understanding why they're reviewing it. I think they, like, revere it because they're supposed to. Yeah. Um, I might be one of those people. I don't know. I, not to say that it's without merit or anything. I think there's plenty of people who revere it for the like understanding it. Yeah. Um, a lot of people. But, uh, man, that movie's not for everyone. No. And I think, the, I think the wife says it says she either hasn't seen it or hasn't seen it in a long time. Yeah. And so now I've got to slog my way through that. I've seen it like three or four times. And, man, it's... Yeah, but on your TV, it's, it's going to be so a, great. It'll be pretty. See, I had only ever grown up just watching it on regular size, you know, 80s and 90s TVs. Yeah. And then just a couple of years ago, I was asked to house sit for a friend, mm-hmm. a friend's friend, really. Mm-hmm. And he had this big, giant TV. And I was flipping around on HBO Go, and there was Blade Runner. And I was just like, you know what? Maybe I've never seen Blade Runner properly. I had closed curtains. Keep Pushed play on that giant TV, and yeah. it all made sense after that. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's Blade Runner. You're also like really into Dune, which is also <laughs> the pacing of a turtle. Uh, I don't... Yeah, I guess you could technically say I'm really into Dune. You're really into Dune. I'm into... Every time I see you, you bring up Dune. <laughs> Every time. Yeah, but I do it mostly as a joke. No, because usually you're like, oh, did you hear the Dune news or whatever? And I'm yeah. Like, but it's legitimate news, so it can't be that much of a joke. Yeah, they're making You're a, addicted to Dune. Just, they're making, I'm going to have a Dune, Dune intervention for you. They're making a movie where Muad'Dib... I am addicted to spice. They're making a movie with Muad'Dib has to fight... Baron Harkonnen. I was going to say Midnight Sun. Oh, gosh. Ha-ha, but I won't. Should we talk uh, Trick or Treat? No, wait, we should talk Silver Bullet. Cause Silver Bullet, because that's what we said first. Yeah. So Silver Bullet, 1985. It stars Corey Haim. The late, great Corey, Corey Haim. Spooky Haim. 
Yeah, so he's very young in this. Uh, he is, uh, what, maybe 12 in this movie? Uh, very young. 1971, so he was about probably 13, 14 when they were filming this movie. Yeah. I would say he looks younger than he, that. He looks a little younger. Yeah, they always like cast them. Well, we talked about the sister. I thought the sister right. looked like she was 15. She was probably like 17 or 18. That fist. That sister, of course, was <laughs> Megan Follows. See, I was thinking of the name Follows. Uh-huh. From Anne of Green Gables. She plays Marty. Okay, so Corey Haim plays a, a rascally youngster named Marty. Okay. Who was unfortunately uh, paraplegic. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Confined to a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. His older sister, Jane played by Anne of Green Gables' Megan Follows. She is kind of tired of having to put up with Marty and babysit Marty and getting yelled at for not being nice to Marty and all that sort of thing. You know where the movie loses me? I like the movie a lot, but you know yeah, where it loses, I love it. loses me a little bit and like kind of makes me go, this is um, B-movie making yeah. at its finest. Is, is the, the fact f- that it feels like it was made for TV? Well, not so much that. Okay. Is that... Like, there's a lot of, like, inconsistencies. So, she, uh, Megan, no, what's the yeah. character's name? Janie. Jane. Jane. Janie narrates the thing. Right. It's told from her perspective. Yes. But there are, like... But it's the not shown is, from her perspective. Right. The movie's really from the perspective of the brother. Right. Um, it's pretty strange. It is an interesting way to do it. And you brought up at the end, like, what if, what if Jane is at Marty's funeral right. giving his eulogy? That's but, what it feels like to me. But they just didn't show us that at all. Right. That's an interesting way to look at it. I never looked at it that way before. Like, it seems like, it seems like, because she, she addresses this whole speech, this whole narration to Marty at the end. And she says goodnight to him. Yeah. And I don't think she's retelling the story as a bedtime story to him. So I think Marty's... We should... If anyone knows Stephen King... Right. We should find that out. You know what, we, you know what else if we could do? If anyone knows him in person, you mean? Or we could, somebody who's just yeah. like a walking king encyclopedia? No, someone who, who knows. So we could ask him. But you know what? My I bet ex- my dad could find his house in like a couple of him. hours. Yeah, I mean, they're... Um, we could the read Cycle of the Wolf. Cycle, Cycle of the of Werewolf. I yeah. suppose we could do that and see if it's answered in there. Maybe we'll give that a try. Maybe yeah. I'll try to hunt it down and have a very short book report for the next episode. Okay, that'd be cool. Very short. Mostly I'll just see if that question yeah. gets answered. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Is Jane addressing people at Marty's funeral? And exactly and, how and long we don't know that. does the story take place? Well, according to uh, that, that poster I found on IMDb, it starts in May of that year. Yeah. And uh, goes all the way to Halloween. To October 31st. Year. Yeah. So they have a showdown on Halloween night, which is part of why that movie always makes me get in the mood for Halloween. Because, hey, it goes right up to it, right? Sure. Who doesn't like that happening? Sure. So, Marty, he's an adventurous rascal. His sister's tired of his crap. They got good old Uncle Red, played by Oscar nominee, Mm -hmm. Gary Busey. pre Pre-motorcycle accident. Yeah. Um, wow. Gary Busey. What a story that guy's got, man. Wild. Wild stuff. And it's like, 
what a career that guy's got, right? Mm-hmm. Like, not exactly leading man material. No. But, I mean, but that crazy guy's... Crazy Uncle? Heck yeah. Crazy Uncle material and, you know, Buddy Holly material and, you know, Utah Get Me Two material. Heck yeah, indeed. Sure. Barbosa material. Wait, no, was it Barbosa? Barbarossa? What was that Western he was in with Willie Nelson? I don't know. I think it was Barbarossa. I'm not, I'm not caught up on my Gary Busey trivia. I understand. I have the Tiger... Predator 2? The Buse. A nickname like The Buse could sound like a, a, a tragic word. Yeah, The Buse. Yes, maybe, we'll call him, maybe we'll call him Rebuse. So, no? so Marty plays tricks on his sister with his buddy Brady. Yeah, Brady the town jerk kid. Yeah, he's kind of a jerk kid. They, they literally throw a snake at her and make her fall in mud. Yeah. And they act like they're comedic geniuses. Well, Brady does. Brady sure does. Marty is not, like, he's all fine for scaring her, but not, like, taking it too far. Yeah. Brady's all for taking it too far. Brady's a jerk. A herky jerk dog. So, what happens even before we meet any of these kids? Jane comes in with the narration talking about their small town of Tarker's Mills and how one night on a full moon, this guy was on a railroad track and he got his head ripped off and they show it. They show this guy, he's investigating something. Basically gets it, like, slapped off his body. <laughs> Head slapped off his body by a werewolf's paw. Yeah. That, of course, was James Gammon. Yeah. The late, great James Gammon. You might know him as the manager from uh, Major League. Yeah. And so many other things. So he's, like, the town drunk. A little bit. He works at the railroad. Yeah. And it's just written off as he, he got drunk and passed out and the train lopped his head off. Train lopped his head off. And so, you know, nobody's too worried. But then somebody else gets attacked. A woman. So. Who's trying to commit suicide. Yeah. So, uh, Janie overhears. Yeah. Kind of eavesdrops. That yeah. there's this dude, got, this dude got this girl pregnant, this woman pregnant. Uh, and he just is not going to take any responsibility. He's nope. like, he's like, it's your oven and ain't my bun. Whoa, uh, man, that's harsh. Yeah, and that's cruel. So he bails on her, and so she, she gets super depressed and takes a bunch of pills. But before she passes out or can take any additional pills, a werewolf breaks into her bedroom. Yep, right and, into the bedroom and kills her real bad. Yeah, her mom gets a revolver and comes to try to save the day, but it's too late. Yeah. So now two people in this town of Tarker's Mills have been murdered by this yeah. wolf. Now, Tarker's Mills, was we, we, we keep, learned, keep going. Tarker's Mills is next to Chester's Mills. Yes. Which is the town from under the dome. Right. And it's, uh, I think, maybe south of Castle Rock. Of Castle Rock, Which is Maine. another town in Stephen King stories. And it's about to be a whole TV series on Hulu. I'm very excited for that. I just saw the trailer yesterday. Yeah. Scott Glenn. I'm very excited. Yeah, pretty excited. I saw Sissy Spacek in it. I just hope they tie it into the stories better because it looks like, from what I've heard about it, doesn't sound anything like any of the stories. Well, what it looks like to me is that it's going to be about a crazy town where horrible things happen that inspire Stephen King's stories. But it's hard that to say. Not, it's only a teaser trailer. Not how I understand it. Okay. I'm right. not, I could be wrong, but yeah. I, read, I read a description about like who the characters are and what their relationship is. Oh. And, one, and like the sheriff is um, 
So Scott Glenn's character is a character from the books. Whoa. Um, he's the guy who takes over for Bannerman after, uh, I think, Dead Zone or Cujo. Cool. Whichever one he dies in, I can't remember. I he dies remember in Cujo, either. I think. All right. Um, he might be the sheriff from Pet Cemetery. Not totally sure about that. Which takes place I don't in even Ludlow. remember a sheriff from Pet well, Cemetery. Well, I mean, the books. I don't know how to read. I know. You're giving me a lot you're of gonna, credit. You're going to do a book report. You better learn how to read. What is a book? Yeah. Uh, but what? yeah, so it's, it's, so this is like kind of loosely tied into those yeah. stories. It's Pretty mentioned cool. in Under the Dome. Tarker's Mills Tarker's is? Mills is mentioned. Whoa. There, which is why I was like, where is that? I was literally about to ask. I wonder if it's been mentioned in any of the other stories. Like if any other character was ever like, I had to drive over to... Tarker's Mills to pick up some werewolf converters. I, you listeners could correct me. I could be wrong. But I think... Um, so, in Under the Dome, the the fire department, I, th- I believe, is understaffed oh. because they've sent a group out to a town over for something. Oh. Because they needed help the with something. And the dome fell. And then the dome fell, and so they were cut off from... Whoa. From the town, so the town's like understaffed. So like they don't have enough doctors, they don't have enough fire personnel. Um, and I think it's because they went over to Tarker's Mill. I could be wrong about That's that. That's the nightmare of living in a small town. Yeah. Having that dome fall on you. Well, yeah. And like a lot of Stephen King's stories, Tarker's Mill is, a, is also a small town. The movie pretty much, uh, you know, after the first beheading, starts with uh, the whole town's out having some kind of a... Picnicy celebration at the park. Yeah, what is it they're celebrating? I'm not even sure if I could tell. I thought that was that. So that couldn't have been Fourth of July because the fireworks were canceled later. Yeah, so maybe that was Memorial Day. Day? Yeah, good call, dude. Good call. And they're and they're uh, the preacher's there, and he's like trying to get everybody all like in community spirit to raise money for a medical thing. Med-Q, they call it. I don't know what that is. Med-Q. Yeah. I'm raising money for the Med-Q. So the kids are like getting bottles and cans to recycle and stuff. Yeah, that's right. Bottles and cans. Just clap your hands. Okay. Never heard that. That, It was like Beck's most famous song. You know where it's at. You remember. You remember? Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Um, so, gosh, what happens next? All right, so we're already two, two killings. Two head, two, two people and then, have been murdered. And then Marty and his school sweetheart, he's, he, take, he drives her home. Well, he, he walks her home. She's Sorry, on her he bicycle. Walk her. <laughs> he's on his motorized wheelchair. They ride home together. They convoy home. Yeah. And uh, her abusive jerk dad is like, oh, Jane, whatever your name is, Macy, Mar- Mar- Marple. Martha, Macy, Mar- you, Marlene. You get, you get your butt in here from school. I'm gross. And then she as kisses Marty... kisses him on the cheek. She kisses him on the cheek. It's very nice and thoughtful. And as Marty goes driving away in his lawnmower-powered chair, yeah. it cuts back to her dad. And he's like, well, damn cripples all end up on welfare. They ought to kill them all. And Let's sort of... Is that what he says? He they says they ought to electrocute him. What a jerk. Yeah. So then, guess who's got to die? Abusive, bigoted father. Yeah. Number one. So we've got like horror movie trope. Yeah. Numero uno happening here. All the bad people, all the people who are committing the like bad things, all the sins. You got drunkenness, you got uh, suicide, 
Yeah. And you got abusive father. Yeah. Probably, I mean, knowing Stephen King, he's probably doing worse things. Right, probably. They don't, they don't make it entirely clear, but he definitely seems like a creep. Well, that guy gets murdered in his own <laughs> greenhouse when he gets yanked down through the floor by the werewolf yeah. and pulled onto a spiky piece of wood, Somewhat which I satisfying. think would be one of the worst ways to go. Yeah, it was interesting. It was so scary. We, we were talking about a couple of things that kind of fit together, both with the, um, the town getting together for their picnic, yeah, whatever, and with the guy's house. And that's... Oh, right. They seem to, like, tell so much in a Stephen King story with the setting and the sets and, like, the thing, set decoration and things. Like, every... It seems like just about just about every Stephen King story yeah. has this small town, and they all are like like if you flip on the TV and you see the small town, you're like, oh, that's like Stephen King. Right. I think Stranger Things mimic that really, really well. Absolutely. Um, I mean, right down to the tool shed. Right. You know. Um, and so, you know, when you, right when you see the the kids, you like, or you see the the town, you know, this is Stephen King thing. Yeah. Um, also, the fact that everybody's just writing off these murders. They really are. Um, they just. Think they a, a maniac eye. is doing it. Turn a blind eye. A blind we'll, we'll eye. Get, we'll get to that in a minute. Hey, old snap. Um, and then inside the house, when the the dad's like watching uh, wrestling, yeah, he's like, "Oh, that hurt my nethers or something." Like that. Yeah, he's getting drunk. He's talking yeah. about getting his nethers hurt from seeing a really hardcore professional wrestling a punch move. to the groin. And, and uh, he hears somebody breaking his pots out in his greenhouse. So he grabs, he has three, so this is what I thought was interesting in the house. Yeah. So they don't show a lot of the house, but, I mean, they show, the, the guy's got multiple beer bottles, those old school that look little like, almost like little barrels. Yeah. With the old yeah. red stripe. Like, um, or, yeah, or and, Mickey's maybe. But he's got three hunting rifles. Right. Three hunting rifles. For one guy. For one guy, well, th- I'm, that doesn't so much just surprise me is that he's, the only like uh, result of those three hunting rifles that we can tell yeah. are some tiny antlers. One tiny. pair of tiny antlers hanging above the door. Antlers. He killed a teenage deer. Yeah, um, and then he all, there's also next to him uh, a trophy, a cheerleading trophy. Right. And so it's sort of it tells a lot about like who this family is and who this guy is. And that's another reason I think the dad's being like kind of creepy with the daughter. Yeah, is that he's got this trophy by him. It's kind of weird. Keeps your cheerleading trophy. Ew. Yeah. Well, he winds up getting murdered by a werewolf. Yep. And I'll say, kind of deserves it. What happens next? Uncle Red visits with Marty, and now Uncle Red's got a bit of a shady past. He's just divorced his third wife. Getting divorced for the third time. He's also known to be a bit of a drinker. Loves to drink, loves to swear around the kids, gamble with the kids. There's a great scene where uh, they're they're playing cards, they're playing poker, and what they're betting is uh, they're betting baseball cards. And so, like, uh, are you gonna sing the song? Sure. Nice. No, I I don't remember. I don't remember the song. I just know it's like piss on the Yankees, piss on the Indians, piss on the Phillies, Phillies, piss on the Braves. Okay. You you knew the whole song. and uh, there's the, the the line I like is maybe one of my favorite lines is uh, you can't bet managers because yeah. he's trying to like pawn because nobody wants the manager card yeah who in, wants a in baseball manager cards. card so I don't know that that just tickled me a little bit but it was a Yankees manager no I don't was it 
Yeah, I think he said, uh, I raise you a Yankee. And then, and then Uncle Red goes, you can't bet managers. Oh, I thought it was, he tries to bet a manager, he tells him he can't bet managers, and he goes, fine, then, oh. he, then here's, the Yankee, here's a Yankee. Maybe and then that's he what the song, happened. Piss on the Yankees. I um, watched it backwards. Also, piss on the Yankees. I hate sure. the Yankees. I hate the Yankees so much. I barely pay attention to baseball. So, um, you know, have at it. Piss on any team that you can get into a position to get pissed on. Yeah, sure. I'm not going to be there. I don't want video of it. But if you can make it happen, that's up to you. Don't don't really piss on people, please. No. But, uh, yeah, so that happens. So Uncle Red shows up. He's a bad influence. He's got kind of a strained relationship with his sister. Yeah. Nan. Marty and Jane's mom. Nan? Her name is Nan? Nan. It Nan is. Nan Coslo? I guess I always just thought he was calling her Nance, and I just wasn't hearing Nan. Her. Nan Coslo. Nan Coslo. Mm-hmm. Mother of... Marty and Jean, and not a big fan of her brother, Uncle Red. Now, I don't know if it's a regional thing, but doesn't the name Coslo also... Ooh, there's the... A phone call hey, Desi, during grab that? the show. Wow, that's not very common. Um, Let them know they're on the air. Uh, <laughs> call her, you're on the air. Um, doesn't Coslo, the name Coslo, seem like a very Stephen King kind of name? I suppose so. It's not ringing any bells, Coslo. Yeah, I don't know if it. I don't know if it fits in with others. It just sounds like very Stephen Kingish. It does to me. I, and it, again, it may be a regional thing. It may be like, you know, people who, you know, are, are prepping for a nor'easter. There you, you know, go. like you know that kind of. Maybe that's just the people who settled that part of the country. Could be. They it. have those those kinds of names, but that always. Coslo. Coslo. He did like Den- Denbro, Han- Hanlon, yeah. Coslo. They just all seem like they all fit together, right? I suppose they do. Uh, Creed. Um, Creed. Yeah, the Creeds from Pet Cemetery. Oh yeah, right. But they moved, they were from out of town. That's true. You know what? That's a very good point. But you know what? If you were, to, let's see here. Let's just do a little um, search. Let's do Pet Cemetery. Let's look at what um, Herman Munster's name was in it. Frank Lindsay. Oh, Crandall. 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 That just seems like an old-timey, like, the Crandalls have been here for sure. 200 years. Yeah, we built that church over there. And uh, Pascal. you got to watch out for that road. Oh, yeah, Pascal. Oh, man, Pascal, when I was a kid, he looked like my cousin Dave. What does he say? The soil just, is... The soil is sour. The soil has gone sour. The soil... Okay, we're not talking Pet Cemetery. It's sour. Something we'll bring up Pet Cemetery again in the next movie. Something terrible happens in Tarker's Mills yet again. What happens? Marty's pal Brady Brady gets mm-hmm. murdered. The town prankster jerk. The town prankster so jerk. So we have another kind of a hole. Yep. I mean, he's pretty innocent though. You know, dropping snakes is not like the worst thing he could do. Well, it's not like he's chucking rocks through people's windows or anything. Or that's true. But he was up. flying a kite oh, alone. Yeah, I mean. Those and, kite flyers, you got to watch out for them. It's not like he was like putting firecrackers sure, and frogs or anything. Pretty sure somewhere in the Constitution it says, Thou shalt not fly a kite alone, sure. now, that, now that Benjamin Franklin did it. But uh, yeah, so Marty and Brady, they're out flying kites. Marty's got to go home for dinner, and Brady's like, I'm just going to keep flying this kite. I just got, I can't get enough kite flying today. Marty leaves him alone. Next thing you know, poor Brady's found 
torn to pieces in a gazebo in the middle of the park. Yeah. The sheriff finds him. I don't even remember how he finds him. Oh, sheriff it's uh, played by Terry O'Quinn. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, it cuts to all the people, all the townsfolk are hanging out in the bar, having a drink, complaining about how the sheriff still hasn't found this maniac who's now killed three people. And then Brady's dad comes a crashing in and he's like, has anyone seen my boy? And then it cuts to Terry O'Quinn walking away from the gazebo, having discovered the body. Right. And, uh, and he's got his kite. Up. He's got his kite with blood on it. Mm. And yes, and then poor Brady's dad shows up and he... Freaks out. Yeah, uh, rightly so. It's a pretty good freak out. I'll say it. As an actor, I was like, that's a good freak out. I don't ever want to know how I would really react in that situation, but that guy did a believable freak out. Things get scary, folks. Yep. Then we cut to a funeral scene, and we see a small coffin, about big enough for a youngster like Brady to be in. And the uh, town preacher, I'm not sure if he's Catholic or if they're Episcopalian, but um, the preacher's at the front of the church, you know, saying some kind words and talking about how, you know, there's, we're living in this time where this maniac keeps plaguing our town, but that time will come to an end and yeah. we'll have peace again and what have you. And then, uh, boy, oh boy, the people in the town, they start a changing. Yeah, they, that's actually another scene I really like. Everybody becomes a werewolf. Wait a minute, this is a different funeral scene. Oh, I'm sorry. That happened at the next funeral scene. What, but I thought, I thought, that's where I was going too, but I realized oh, that's okay. at the next funeral scene. Okay. So Brady's funeral is just very tame. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember we then went, we oh, go to private justice. Coffin. Yeah. Little coffin. Yeah, because what happens after that is the townspeople, they're meeting in the bar. Yeah, Owen's bar. By the way, in Owen's bar, but so you you know what that is, right? That's so that gets Owen gets stuck snuck into Stephen King stuff every once in a while. Owen is Stephen King's son. Oh yeah, yeah. Owen's bar. That's cool. And there's a sign in the bar that says Pizza Pride. Pizza Pride. You gotta have. You gotta be proud of your pizza. I guess you do. It is the Northeast. They're very proud of their mm-hmm. pizza. We're skipping over something some major. Like clam chowder pizza. We're skipping over something real major. What's up? Or are we? I don't know what you're... I don't, you haven't spoken it yet, so I don't know. No, we're not skipping over the cool. major thing. Cool, right. time. A bunch of guys, they're upset about now a kid's been killed. Mm-hmm. So all the tough guys in town are like, we're going to search all through the woods and we're going to find whoever this maniac is and we're going to get him. And the sheriff's like, I can't let you do that, I'm the law. And Brady's dad is like, ah, oh, my kid was torn apart. I've said it before and I'll say it again. And if these men want private justice, we're going to go get it. I think and we did skip over something, though. I don't think we it's did. something small. I don't think we did just yet. The fair. No, that happens right after. Well, because after the funeral is when, is when he... Isn't that when he gives him the new... I think it's right after. Right after? Because let, let me explain. Okay, well, why does he take the kid out on a drive after the funeral? After Brady's funeral, he's like... Let me take the kid home. And I can't remember why he takes him on that drive. He takes him on the drive just to talk to him. Oh, and, and that's when he's and like, what if there's a like, werewolf? What if it's a werewolf? And he's like, yeah. don't be crazy, stupid son of a bitch. So Marty's got it in his head that he's like, Uncle Red, I'm just a crazy, stupid little son of a bitch. But what if it's a werewolf? And Uncle Red's like, ah, get me two werewolves. So the townsmen, 
They go out into the woods, guns and the flashlights. Yep. And boy, oh boy, does that werewolf make mincemeat out of like four of them. But what happens before they, as on their way out? The uh, sheriff tries to stop them. Mm-hmm. And? Brady's dad eggs them on. And then? And the preacher man tries to stop them. And he's him. like, please don't go out. Please, please don't go. And the sheriff just says, oh, hell with it, preacher. Isn't this that town community spirit you've been wanting all so badly? So, the guys are out. They're in the fog. They're in the woods. And the werewolf kills at least four. It's kind of uh, like... Uh, beats one man to death with his own baseball bat. Remember uh, the Lost World when they're going through the tall grass and the raptors are in the grass? Oh, yeah. It kind of reminds me of that. Yeah, the werewolf, he stays under the fog, and he just yanks them down one at a time and chews on them and beats them and what have you. We noticed a lot of similarities to Jaws throughout the film. Like, um, the town and sort of their, like, parade and sort of their town community pride. Yeah. And a sheriff who everybody thinks is doing a bad job. Yeah. And somebody who knows what's going on, but nobody believes them. And uh, there's the scene when um, Brady's dad confronts the sheriff when right. he eggs them on. Right. It's very much like um, Alex Kittner's mom, Mrs. Kittner, yeah. slapping Chief Brody. Um, he doesn't slap the sheriff, which is a wise move. Yeah. He, doesn't, he does not assault the sheriff. But he, he um, gives them what for. And then, uh, and then they're in the fog and you, can't, you don't really ever see the you werewolf. You see like really. one hairy, gnarly hand. hand. Yeah. Grabbing and a ribbon. See people getting yanked down under the fog. Oh man, it's so scary. Back up, Andy. Gosh. Okay. You're not so making then, lemonade in your pants, are you? <laughs> Is that what somebody says? Does yeah. Andy there's say there's that? the dude in the, at the back. He's like, I think he came from behind us. And he doesn't want to go forward. Yeah. And the woman in front of him, I, I'm assuming is maybe his wife, yeah. is like, you're not making lemonade in your pants, are you? And he goes, I'm not scared. <laughs> I always forget about that line. Which, again, is a very Stephen King kind of line. Making lemonade in your pants. Four people get killed in one night. This tough guy search party looking for private justice. So now it cuts to the Private church. justice reported to duty. <laughs> aye, aye. Captain, wait, are there privates on boats? I don't know. Or is that more of a... They're more like ensigns and... Maybe that's an ensign thing. I don't know. Funeral. Know, Four caskets at the front. Yep. And the preacher man's at the front of the church, and he's talking about uh, the beast thing and the cycle of the beast, and it's going to it's gonna go away, and we're going to be good. And God, and then people this is when start shouting changing. at him and booing him and growing fangs. Getting hairy. sprouting hair from places where a man shouldn't have a hair. And they start turning into werewolves. And everything's scary. And one's playing the organ. And then the preacher wakes up in his own bed, screaming. The werewolf playing the organ is a nice touch. <laughs> it is. It really is. You um, know, It's like, why would you go back to playing the organ? I, uh, I like the scene for a couple of reasons. I think it's just kind of a fun, neat scene. Yeah. Um, but I also like was thinking about how Oh, I'm gonna, you know. Oh, what part do you play in the movie? And it's like, are you the werewolf? Right. No, I'm not. Well, yeah, I do, I do turn into a werewolf. I mean, that's, that'd be a cool thing to have yeah. happen. You get to, because mo- usually you get into a movie and usually you know, X people are the werewolves. That's it. Right. But I don't normally get to be a townsperson, a mob member, and a werewolf. And a, a werewolf is pretty cool. Yeah, that. I wonder what that would be like to get to, to get to be in that scene and be, you know, people asking you like. Hey, you go, well, I am the werewolf. Or am I? You know, you get it. 
That'd be mm-hmm. fun. I gotta be in a werewolf movie one of these days. All right. I wonder if I'd even get to wear werewolf makeup, or if they just CGI my werewolf on. Yeah, they, knowing know. these days, man, it's I don't know. So, the preacher man wakes up a screaming. Yeah, and then it's Fourth of July. Marty and his parents they roll up to the town fair. There's like no one there, and it's closed. Nobody's there. I think it's is it on the way to or on the way back from the town fair that it. It shows the streets are just empty. There's like hardly any cars on parked the on the back. streets. People are leaving town. Yeah, it shows a car driving away with a big loaded up trailer. Yeah. yeah. And the guy on the radio is even saying like, we shouldn't be leaving town. We should be sticking together. Well, he doesn't have a southern accent. He probably has sure. no accent. So then, 4th of July is ruined. Cookout in Marty's backyard. Delicious, delicious cookout. Where Uncle Red mentions the guy ruined your 4th of July... He ran your girl out of town because the girl that kissed Marty on the cheek, she left town after her dad got married. Got murdered. Got murdered. Not married. Got murdered. Did I say you got married? Yeah. Wow. All right. All right. He got married to Look, death. I had blood drawn today, okay? Uh-huh. Cut me some cut me some slack. Boo. Yeah, he got married <laughs> to death to yeah. a jagged piece of wood mm-hmm. and then dragged under his own greenhouse, which I didn't know greenhouses were typically built up off the ground like that, but uh, I didn't make the movie. Ruin your 4th of July. Ran your girl out of town. Killed your best friend. And he's like, but I'm trying to teach you that I'm Uncle Red and I don't want you to be scared of stuff. So he gives Marty not only a brand new motorcycle wheelchair hybrid. Yeah. Complete with a silver paint job and red flame job on it. Mm-hmm. He also gives him a big old bag of fireworks. Yeah. And he says, you're going to have the 4th of July in September. Yeah. And he says, don't let your mom find them. Light them somewhere near the house and have fun. And he takes off to go to whatever town he lives in. Um, uh, I guess I can wait. We missed something, but I'll bring it up. When what? It's, Just when say it's, I'll miss it. I'll bring it when it's pertinent. Oh. When it's more pertinent. You know, it's not a big deal. So, so that night. Yeah. It seems like it's that night. So yeah, it seems they're not, like that. They're not night. great with time in this, the time passage. They keep it very confusing, yeah. I'll say. They didn't even start shooting it until October. Be, right. And they really make it feel like that picnic in Marty's yard is them being like, well, 4th of July was canceled. Let's yeah. have a cookout in it the yard. It does feel like that. Um, I guess I could have done the math that, well, Uncle Red is now building this thing in Marty's own garage. So right. it must, time must have passed. But yeah, they don't, they don't make it all that clear. So now we're in September. Marty sneaks out, gets on the silver bullet, which is essentially a motorcycle for a child. I mean, he's passing other cars on the street. He's passing cars on the road. He is flying. Uh, there are a lot of shots of Corey Haim himself driving that With thing. that thing, the front wheel popping up off the ground for me. Yeah. He pulls a really nice wheelie. If you were alive in the 80s, you remember how important wheelies were. I, I, the question is, was the wheelie intentional? That's a great question. Because I noticed when... Um, when they get home from the first, the first uh, picnic at the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. and he goes, up, he has to like wheel himself up the ramp. They only show him go about halfway, yeah. And he's starting to go up, and then you can see like as he's like pushing really hard, yeah. His wheels are popping pretty high off which, the ramp, which is bad. They cut away from that, right? Right. <laughs> so I expect he fell over or rolled back down that ramp. Might have tipped back. Good point. Very good point indeed. Well, he goes out to this little bridge somewhere yep. kind of in the woods. Yep. Starts launching off those fireworks. 
and what happens? The the wolfie comes. The werewolf finds him. Yep. Lighting off fireworks. A kid shouldn't be doing that alone in New England. No. Well, Marty manages to shoot the werewolf in the eye with a rocket firework. It's pretty cool. It's real cool. Real scary. Yep. Werewolf's got a flaming rocket jammed in his eye. Flaming rocket. Marty escapes, gets home, goes to bed. Um, I'm a little disturbed about the fact that this kid's sneaking out. Yeah. Uh, and then having to crawl all the way back up his own outer house into his upstairs It's bedroom. weird. It's weird the thing, like, they show him, like, getting a kite out of the tree, and I was like, there's yeah. no way he got up there. It's another, it's yet another example of movies and TVs seem to be trying to convince us that kids are constantly going in and out through windows, you know? Yeah. Dawson's Creek. Stranger Things, they sneak into Nancy's room through mm-hmm. her window. Oh, at least at least that he has to climb onto the roof. There's like a little lower roof to get to her window. That's true. Rather than climbing like a trellis, which doesn't support people typically. That's very true. It certainly shouldn't. Yeah. If it does, you or a drain pipe. A kids, tra- kids, yeah. kids aren't climbing up drain pipes. Come on. No, they shouldn't. I mean, maybe maybe like really light kids, but they shouldn't be. Usually, most drain pipes aren't built. <clears throat> Marty's freaked out. He tells his sister the story. He's like, I'm telling you, I shot him in the eye. Actually, first, what does he do? He calls Uncle Red in the middle of the night. Wakes him up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And Uncle Red's like, you had a nightmare. Go back to sleep, kid. Go back to sleep, Marty. I'm drinking, and I got a strange lady in my bed. Yeah, weird lady that we don't know. We don't know, and I don't think we ever see her again. Crank call. Crank call. No, he tells her? I think so, yeah. I think so. Crank call. Well, we don't know. We never see her again. So clearly that crank call broke up their relationship. It's a shame. Crying shame. Marty tells Janie. Janie's like, Marty, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And Marty's like, you're about to go around collecting bottles and cans all day. That's not what happened. What happened next? She, well, that's what, he he tells her, but in narration, she. I'm taking the shorter strokes. I'm just saying. the broader strokes. I'm just saying in narration, she doesn't disagree with him. She actually says that there was something about it that made her believe. Yeah. So it wasn't like she was like, that didn't happen. She decided the best way that she could help okay. was to go and collect the bottles in case. You're trying to vilify I'm projecting my poor own, Janie. I'm projecting my own sister issues on Yeah, you really are. Megan follows. You just I don't have a sister. Give her a break. Um, you know, Janie needs to give Marty a break. And Mom needs to give Janie a break. And Dad barely says anything. Yeah, Dad, what was, that, what was his name? Dad? You found him. He was in prison break. Yeah, I was like, I was like whoa, it was that guy? So Janie goes around collecting bottles. Leon Grissom? Bob. Bob Bob Kozlaw. Bob Kozlaw. Played by? Leon Russum. Leon Russum. Russum? Russum. Leon Russum. Or Russum, but Russum. Pretty cool. The dad from Silver Bullet. He was the general in uh, Prison Break. Oh, yeah. I never did watch Prison Break. I've heard great things. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. Janie goes around collecting bottles and cans. We get this montage of her meeting all the older folks in town, mm-hmm. and we're seeing all their eyes on their faces one at a time. And there's a guy, the jerk guy, uh, Andy the jerk, is in the barber chair, and he's got a towel wrapped around his face, a hot towel, like he's about to get a shave. And she goes and peels the towel away, and she's like, Yo, you got any bottles or cans? And he says no, because he's a jerk. She leaves. But so far, she hasn't met anybody that's suddenly... Missing an eye. Yeah. Until what? Well, she gives up. 
She gives up. She in goes mind, over she, to the church to turn in all the bottles yeah, she, and cans. She goes to like record her stuff. Yeah. And then the the Can tally up them bottles and cans. Preacher, what's his name? He's gardening. Uh, Father Low or Loeb, maybe. I think it might be Loeb. I've got the thing right here. Low with a W. Oh, it is Low. Played by Everett McGill. Everett McGill of Twin, of Peaks, Twin Peaks and uh, Indiana Jaws. Dune. Oh, Dune. I know it was Dune. Good old Everett McGill. So he plays the preacher and he's like, hey there, Janie, you bringing the bottles and cans to me? And she's like, yeah. And she's like, oh, I've had a weird day. My brother's such a booger sometimes. And the preacher's like, yeah, little brothers can be real booger butt burger boogers. And it shows his face. He's also taking liberties with the dialogue. Taking a lot of liberties here with him. Yeah, it does show his face. That's true. What's different about his face? He's got an eye patch. Wait a second. A bandage over his eye. The priest of the whole town has a bandage over his eye? Which they've been basically telling us with all these deaths of bad guys. Uh, People who are... Vigilante mob justice and people snake suicide and snake pranks, evil pranksters and lone kite flying. Yeah, uh, fireworks on a bridge by yourself. So yes, yeah, so now we know he's he's. Yeah, I mean fireworks in a lot of places are illegal, you know, unless it's certain times of the year. So very true. He probably was committing a crime. One time, really short story in New England, I was up there on the Fourth of July. We're at my family's camp on a lake. And my dad's like, check out this firecracker. Lights it, chucks it out so that it'll blow up over the water. And the wind just throws it right into the neighbor's boat. And amazingly, things didn't go terribly wrong. It just blew up and maybe left some ashes on the boat. But yeah, my dad's like, oh yeah, check it out. This is going to be cool. Chucks it out and wind just pushes it right over into the boat. Kabang! Yeah. Lots of uh, conversations had that night. I bet. Be careful with your fireworks, folks. So now we figured it out, yes. I wonder if we're supposed to be suspecting the police chief. Maybe a little. Because, and if we are, it's probably a bad job um, on the filmmaker's part. But I kind of wonder now, because everybody's sort of committing some sort of like, obviously they're committing a sin. Right. Um, But... Also, the police chief doesn't seem to be getting anything done. Right. They're all constantly complaining that he's not finding this guy. Yeah. You may be onto something right there. Maybe they're trying to make it look like the the chief. But, yeah, if that's what's up, I don't think they're doing a great job. No. Because Terry O'Quinn's just too handsome for me to think he could be a bad guy. I like Terry O'Quinn. It's cool. Well, darn it, it's the priest. It's Everett McGill. And he corners Janie in the garage where all the bottles and cans are laying around. He's like, hey, baby. But right before he corners her, she finds. And this is what we skipped over. No, I mentioned it. Did you? I mentioned that the wolf beat a guy with his own bat. Okay. But I didn't I didn't go into the details like on the bat. It broke and stuff, and yeah. it was the bat from Owen's bar. So earlier in Owen's bar, we see the bartender uses a bat with the words, The Peacemaker, carved yeah. along its shaft. Yeah. You were really happy with yourself just now when you said shaft. I was. It was funny. And so, when that guy gets killed out in the woods, he's hitting the werewolf with the bat. Yep. And then we hear, rah, and then the werewolf claw comes up with the bat, and it's broken now, and it starts hitting down yeah. into the fog like it's one, clubbing the man to death. One of those scenes where they bat. probably shouldn't have shown it. Probably shouldn't have. It was a little too comical. But Janie finds the bat. Yeah, she finds the bat. We Bar- do need that to happen. And, and 
She says it looks like, like Bigfoot used it as a toothpick. Flies and stuff in that. Yeah. Which, you know, it's a garage full of old soda cans and bottles. Maybe it's sugar, not so weird. Wet sugar around. Yeah, sure. She describes it as smelling like an animal's been living in there. Yeah. Well, darn it. The preacher man corners her. And she manages to talk her way out of it, which is good. Yeah. Nobody wants Jane to get hurt. Not Megan Follows, man. You don't hurt her. She gets away. She tells Marty. They tell Uncle Red. He's like, ah, I can't believe any of this, Utah. And then they're like, check it out, Uncle Red. We need you. I forget. Does one more person get killed before they decide to make their special weapon? Uh, before they decide to make the special weapon, yes, somebody does get killed. Somebody does get killed. They, they say, please go talk to the sheriff. Oh, yeah, the so, sheriff goes all snooping around the church at night. So, so Uncle Red goes in and talks to the sheriff, and the sheriff's like, you believe this, don't you? Right. And he's like, let's just say I think that the Father Lowe should be checked out. Yeah. He's like, I can do that. I can, that can be arranged, is what he says, I think. So the sheriff makes the really smart idea to go check out the church. Which means we've skipped a big chunk. Go ahead. Uh, so... The fa- oh, father Lowe, yeah, Father Lowe has like figured out. So the kids send a uh, a letter to Father Lowe. It's like basically like oh, right. eat some poison. <laughs> right, they send a kidnapper letter with the letters cut out of a magazine. Yeah. They're saying, "We know what you did. You should just kill yourself." Yeah, and suicide is a sin, Marty. Father Father Lowe figures out that it's Marty, and so he um, starts following him. And when Marty's alone driving down one of those lonesome roads. He uh, tries a, to run him down in his car. There's a really sad scene right before that. Uh, which, Marty is sitting on the silver bullet. Oh, uh, yeah, it's a really good scene. At the outfield fence of the local baseball park. And he's yeah. watching all the other boys in town playing baseball and running around and it's like, jumping it, and rolling. It's and, mostly just their legs. It's like their lower half of their bodies is what he's watching. Yeah, and that's a really heartbreaking scene. Yeah. And then... There's moments of just like really smart filmmaking, but it's paired with such... Other like nonsense that it's hard to ever take any of it seriously. I can understand that. I'm telling you, it feels like it was originally supposed to be a made-for-TV movie. I could be wrong though. Yeah, um, um, it's probably in the notes, but there so, are so many notes about it on IMDb. So Father Lowe tries to run him down, hits him with his car, hits the silver bullet with his car. Uh, Marty narrowly gets away. Yeah, the silver bullet is really good at smashing through. The fences on the side of a bridge, but never going off the bridge. Yeah, yeah. Happens twice. Somehow he never goes off the bridge. Yeah. Marty, of course, he's running out of gas, because that's what he's prone to do. Manages to coast the silver bullet into a rickety old covered bridge. But Father Lowe finds him anyway. Yeah, but some farmer, whatever. Mr. Bitterman. Mr. Bitterman. The farmer who can hear a screaming boy over his loud tractor. Yeah. So, Marty's freaking out. He's on the bridge. Father Lowe comes in. It's a covered bridge, by the way. So, nobody has any idea he could be in there. And Father Lowe's talking about, Oh, I killed what's-her-name because she was going to kill herself. So, I spared her soul from eternal damnation by killing her body. And Marty's just like, I'm a, I'm a little kid. I don't even know why you're doing this to me. And then, thankfully, just as the preacher man is about to get to our hero... Mr. Bitterman comes by in his tractor. Marty starts screaming. Preacher Man escapes. Bitterman comes up and he goes, Is that you in there, Marty? And Marty's like, you got to help me. I ran out of gas. And Mr. Bitterman just goes, 
pretty spooky in there. So uh, when you said Bitterman, Mr. Bitterman, it reminded me. Is there another Bitterman in the yeah, Stephen Kingiverse? In the Stephen Kingiverse, he's in um, uh, Green Mile. Let me just pull that oh, up really? real quick here. Who he is in the Green Mile? Is he the guy played by that dude that married a sixteen-year-old? What? Boy, I hope not. The one guy, the guy who played Percy in the Green Mile, he like famously married like a sixteen-year-old. No, this guy's name was ago. Hank Bitterman, not Percy. Oh, okay. Oh, that guy married a kid. Well, that's the story. A lot of people think she's actually a much older woman who's just did this as like a weird publicity stunt and just said like, yeah, I'm just like a 16-year-old, weirdly, uh, you know, uh, surgically augmented girl, and I'm going to marry this 52-year-old guy. Hmm. It's a sordid state of affairs. They were on that, uh, one of those VH1 shows, of course. Sorry, it's just taking me a second here. So what are we thinking here? Oh, yeah, so, okay, so good. Mr. Bitterman saves Marty from the bridge. Doesn't even realize it. He's just like, I'm just helping a kid who's out of gas. I'm Mr. Bitterman. So now, Marty and Jane are showing Uncle Red Marty's beaten up silver bullet bike. And Uncle Red's still having a hard time believing him, but then he notices some paint scuffs on the damaged portions of the silver bullet. And Janie confirms that those paint scuffs match the paint on Father Lowe's car. Right. Which I think was a Pontiac, but I forget which model. Yeah. Scary stuff. No, it wasn't a Pontiac. I think it was a Buick. Ladies and gentlemen, I think it was a Buick. Possibly an old. So, they're like, Uncle Red. That's when he has the sheriff go check him out. Sheriff checks him out. Like I was saying, he makes the smart move of going to investigate the church in the dark, but then he also decides to wear his big sheriff hat and light a cigarette while he walks around in the dark. Right. He finds the garage full of bottles and cans. He finds the smashed up, broken Peacemaker baseball bat. And right then, Father Lowe catches him, starts to transform him, and kills the only sheriff in town. Right. It's scary. It's real scary. Marty and Jane convince Uncle Red to make them a silver bullet. If I'm not mistaken, Marty gives them a St. Christopher's medallion. Yeah. And Janie gives them a little silver cross. And Uncle Red takes it to a man. Janie narrates over this part about how this man's some sort of old masterful wizard maker (laughs) who runs a gun shop and makes his own bullets. But he has something special about him. Yeah. And so he's making the bullet, and unfortunately, these two silver pieces of jewelry can only make one bullet. And he holds it up to his face, and he's showing it to Uncle Red, and he's like, Yeah, this is a real good bullet. doesn't have a whatever it's called. It should be real accurate for you. And Uncle Red's like, Huh, he's trying to play it off. He's like, Well, I mean, it's, it's just a gag, you know? It's just something for the kid to make him feel cool. He's not going to shoot it at anything. What would you shoot a silver bullet at anyway? And the old man goes, Oh, gee, I don't know. A werewolf. Ah. Cut to Marty's house. Janie explains that it's Halloween. Mm-hmm. And that her parents have, quote unquote, won a trip out of town. Which, of course, Uncle Red set up at his own expense. Yeah. So mom and dad are leaving town. Jane, Marty, and Uncle Red are going to stay up all night. All night long. All Halloween night. Dancing on the ceiling. Yep. Sing that one. 
Oh, what a feeling. Werewolf on my ceiling. They put the silver bullet into a revolver, and they wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. And Marty's thinking, the werewolf's definitely going to come, because tonight the moon is at its fullest, so he's going to want to attack me when he's got his full werewolf strength. But then Uncle Reb points out, it's ten minutes to three in the morning. This werewolf ain't happening, dudes. Then what happens? He, well, he takes the bullet out. Takes the bullet which, out of the which, gun. Which results in well, actually one of my favorite moments of werewolf movie history. Yeah. Um, so they start hearing stuff. The power goes out. Yeah. Um, the werewolf, they think, is going to come in through like the front door or the back door or yeah. something. And instead just bursts through the wall. He jumps through the exterior wall... Which of the house. Apparently they only did one take of. Um, and it was his reaction was genuine because he didn't know when it was going to come. Oh, wow. That's yeah. really cool. Um, and Gary Busey proceeds to drop the bullet and the gun. But what does he try to do first? This is my favorite. This is the part I was talking about referencing that I liked. He tries to shoot the werewolf with yeah. the gun chamber open and the bullet, and the bullet in his other hand. In his he, other he panics. Hand. and like That's kind of a nice moment that he tries to shoot him anyways. Because it's like he's clearly not thinking straight. Right. Uh, it's a cool fight. The werewolf kicks Uncle Red's butt. Uh, Gary Busey gets hurt on film in this. Did he really? Yeah, when he hits the mirror, you can see like a chunk of mirror, even the safety glass, like in his arm, and he's bleeding from it. Dang, so he did his own stunt there. Yeah, he did his own stunts in the movie. You bet he did, because he's 80s Busey. They had, uh, they had like um, an air compressor catapult. So just off screen, and Whoa. so he would run and jump off it, and it would, it would when he jumped on it, it would poof, oh, wow. and shoot him up. Oh my god, that's scary. Yeah. Well, the werewolf kicks their butt thoroughly. The bullet falls down into a heating vent. Yeah. What are they gonna do? Uh, well, uh, the sister gets the gun. Jane got a gun. Janie's got a gun. She gives it. To, she gives it to, uh, oh, what's his face? Marty. Marty. As he's like, he, he narrowly pulls the bullet out with his little tiny fingers. What kind of bullet? The silver bullet. Oh, yeah. Um, and he puts it in the gun, and the werewolf is like, rah, and he fires. Where does the bullet go? In the other eye. Whoa. This kid cannot shoot people in places other than an eye. Marty is a murderer of werewolf eyes. Yeah. And the werewolf slumps over, and uh, Uncle Red's totally freaked out because this whole werewolf thing is true. Yeah. And they watch as the werewolf does kind of a reverse Stan Winston, and his hair starts going back into his body, and his schnoz starts to shorten into a man face. Short snoot. Fingernails go back into his, or his claws go back into his fingers and become nails. And then it's just Everett McGill, both eyes shot out. Yeah. Naked as a jaybird. And then he does the whole, like. He does the old, oh, one last gasp of horror and scares the hell out of everybody. But that was told to us earlier in the movie. Oh, yeah, you mentioned that. So earlier in the film, um, when he says. When uh, Marty tells Red in the car when they take the drive yeah. that what if it's a werewolf, um, he says, Red tells him, when this is all over, you'll see it was just a man. It was just a man. I was like, he told us halfway through the film 
what was going to happen at the end, which I think is actually kind of a nice little stroke of brilliance there. Sure. I like that. Yeah. I like that part. And so now, here he is. He's just a man. Marty and Uncle Red and Megan Follows are going to have to explain why an eyeballless uh, preacher is dead in their living room, but we don't see that happen. Right. We hear Jane's narration talking about how, you know, Marty was right all along, and then she says, I love you, Marty. Good night. It's not quite creepy the way you just did it, but yeah. It's almost that creepy. No, I felt like it was more... More sweet than that. I guess that's true. It's more sisterly, maybe. It's very sisterly. Well, I'm not a sister. It's very... Uh, you know what? Let's just Google that real quick. I Let's, love you, Marty. Not that part. Okay. Uh, and that's Silver Bullet. Well, you Google Marty die. wrap up Silver Bullet. So I just want to know now. If you're listening, you've clearly watched Silver Bullet. It's one of my favorite Halloween movies. I'm so glad I watched it. Here we are in October. It was unseasonably warm today. So I'm very glad I watched something to get me in an October mood. We've got one more movie to discuss. And then Wes Weitzenhofer of View the Right Thing is going to reveal the two movies that he picked to discuss in our next Halloween episode. But right now, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking Trick or Treat, an anthology film from Warner Brothers. All right, so uh, that's something else to see here. Something else. Well, I thought maybe they were going to uh, maybe explain that. Uh, oh, if it was like a funeral kind of thing. Why? No, I thought maybe they're going to. Exp- For a second, I thought they were going to tell me what other connections the characters had in other oh. Stephen King things, but it was actors cast in other Stephen King things. Oh, all right. Um. Yeah, it doesn't say. I'm trying not to burp into my It doesn't say if Marty dies or not. It's okay. Oh, that's all right. I'm just going to pretend he did. Not going to burp into my mic. Don't, Don't let it. me do it. Don't do it. Don't let me do it. Oh, man. It's a doozy. What other movies did we do? Trick or Treat, huh? Trick. We'll talk Trick or Treat real, real, real fast because there's a lot to explain in that movie, a whole lot of characters. So this is all I'm going to say about Trick or Treat, it's folks. Kinda, it's almost... It's all, it's. It's an anthology film that's so well tied together, it's almost not an anthology film. You are correct. And if you really think about it, which it really only occurred to me today, but uh, the movie starts with a house here, and it goes to a house across the street there, and then it goes to that guy's next door neighbor house, and then Mm -hmm. it comes right back to the house where it started. It's all very full circle. Yeah, it's all, it pretty much all has to do with those three houses, and then there's some stuff going on in other parts of town. Well, but the stuff that goes on in other parts of town ends up at those houses at that moment. It all ends up right back at those houses. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of Trick or Treat. I remember the first time I saw the trailer for it, and I was just like, what is that? I am in love. And then it took years for it to come out on DVD. Yeah. Um, I have, my theory is that, and I've probably said this on the podcast before, my theory is that maybe part of the reason why this really good, scary, well-made movie, music by Douglas Pipes, by the way, who's one of the greatest, also did music for Waking and Awaken the Shadow Man and Krampus. Well, the same director as Krampus. That's the truth. Um, and that kicks the truth to the youth. Michael Doherty. So I, I, I want to address something real quick. Please do. Some modern horror stuff. I want to undress those werewolves. <laughs> um, some of them did. Um, to the utmost, they did. The, there's this, like, 
new quote unquote like new class of horror directors. Oh yeah, that, that a lot of people get talked about, like Ty West, Adam Green. Yeah, I'm just gonna go out and say it. Their movies are garbage. Whoa. Uh, Ty, Ty West's like House of the Devil is pretty interesting. It's pretty good. Yeah. But man, those VHS movies and uh, You're Next and Green Inferno, they're just not very good. They're not interesting. I thought that was Eli Roth. Oh, okay, so he's part of that. He's part of those okay, guys. Okay, all right. Um, they're, they're just like hostile. Like all that stuff is just like gore porn. It's just, it's not interesting storytelling. Yeah. And... It gives people, I think, a false sense of like what horror is and should be. Not that I'm like the utmost authority on horror or anything, but um, a movie that's like really skillfully told, like this or like The Conjuring. That those are the guys that like James Wan. He's the Michael Doherty. He's the guys that people should be looking at for horror, not you know the VHS guys. Those like VHS desperately wants to be. Trick or treat, you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. It's this horror anthology that they that's not really tied together in any good way. They really try to do it in VHS too, I think, yeah. and it just falls apart. You know, I feel like I've seen both of the VHSs, and I really don't remember much about them because they're not interesting and they're yeah. not they're not tied together. I mean, there's occasionally some cool like it's like oh, here's a neat idea, yeah, but then the idea they never like flesh it out to be anything other than just like the inkling of an idea. Hmm. Um, and your next is really bad. Uh, uh, is that the one with the animal masks? Yeah. The uh, midnight coterie where, of where the couple Where the couple goes. And like, I went and saw that in a theater with, I think, Daniel Weiss. Oh, yeah? And I leaned over at the beginning. Friend begin- of the show, Daniel Weiss. I leaned over at the beginning. I was like, this is who did it. Uh, like this is who it is, and yeah. like you know in the first scene what's going on. And oh, it's like man. you can't telegraph yourself like that in a horror film, or else yeah. the movie's just not interesting. Yeah, that's a shame. But so the so a guy like Michael Dougherty, who did Trick or Treat, yeah, and that's, Krampus, and Krampus, that, he made like, a scary Christmas movie, right? That's not easy. These are the these are the guys, James Wan. Yeah, Wan, Wan's movies. I mean, certainly Conjuring One. And has like, made me like afraid it. to watch any of his other horror movies. Right. I mean, you know. Conjuring Part 1 freaked me out. And then I had a nightmare about it a month later. And I was like, why is that happening to my brain right now? Right. It freaked me right out. Right. And if and say what you want about like the Saw franchise. But yeah. like that first Saw movie, sure. there were, it was really special. There was something really different about it. Oh, yeah. It. And I mean, it has one of the most legendary twists ever. Yeah. Period. And and you have to give a lot of credit to um, Lee Wan L who who wrote those and is, is in the like he wrote several of the Saw movies. Yeah. He wrote Insidious, which James yeah. also directed. Um, Insidious scared me pretty pretty well too. Yeah, I mean because I'm they afraid of you, James they Wan. understand tension, they understand subtlety, and like yeah. less is more, and they know when to give you the full. Like it's kind of like. The nun is creepy. Oh God! In the Conjuring too, like in that that first scene <laughs> when she's in the when they're doing the seance and she's going through that Amity uh, house, yeah, and she sees the nun for the first time. That's creepy, but they know when to bring the nun. Like they didn't just like full on nun, right? The scene when she's in his office and the nun comes out of the painting, awful. That's amazing stuff. Amazing, that, but so freaking scary, right? Oh. 
subtlety ah. knowing knowing when to play your hand. He did the one about the puppets too. James Wan did the one about the ventriloquist puppets. Uh, Dead Silence. Dead Silence. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was him. Uh, um, that's a freaky movie. But let's get back to Trick or Treat while you look that up. Uh, that was James Wan. So here's what's up. If you're listening to this, you should have watched Trick or Treat. And if you haven't <laughs> seen Trick or Treat, just go right ahead and watch it. It is such a satisfying movie. I want to. It's set on Halloween night. I want to say one other thing. It's got all the tradition. Say that thing. I apologize if you really love those movies like VHS and you really like directors like Adam Green. You're apologizing to the I, listeners. I'm right? apologizing to the listeners. You like what you want. Definitely I'm glad like that there's, what you want. I'm glad there's something out there for you. Just because I like something or don't like something doesn't yeah. mean it's a good or bad movie. Just because you may like Adam Green's stuff doesn't make it good. Very good I just point. want to put that out there. Um, Take it from a guy who mentions Dune on every episode. Like what you want. Yeah, it, it's okay to like it. Just let's not have a flame war about what's good and what's not good. Those are not well-made right. movies. Do we ever have flame wars? We don't uh, have like a message board out or anything. I mean, you and know, that's probably our people, for the best. Our people are pretty chill. They usually, when they contact us, it's usually because they like something. Yeah, you can always so. tweet at Stephen Nohowood or VTRT Movies. Oh wait, no, you can always tweet at VTRT huh? Movies. Or Big Steve Moulton. Yeah, you changed your Twitter. I changed my Twitter. But name. if you were already following him, it's still yeah, you're you're still following me. Um, trick or treat. Trick or treat. Let's jump into it. Anna Paquin, Leslie Bibb, Tom O'Pennicott, Brian Cox, Dylan Baker, Dylan Baker. Uh, those rascally teens who what's that girl's name that, that I recognized? Um, Britt McKillop. That sounds right. Um. So much good stuff in this movie. She's the, from she's the, from uh, uh, Dead Like Me. Dead Like Me. And uh, something else. This I, is my theory on why this movie did not get a nationwide theatrical release, huge marketing and all that jazz. Yeah. I think it's because most of the people that die in this movie are like under the age of 13. And that's great for a scary movie about trick-or-treat because who trick-or-treats? Kids, right? And when I was a kid, I used to love getting scared and going out to trick-or-treat and being all freaked out and trying to get candy even though yeah. I was scared. But, I mean, this movie, most of the body count is children. You think and so? And that, dude, what, eight kids on the bus, uh, Three, four, four kids, kids. Four kids. Uh, at the, the quarry. The chubby kid. That's 12, 13. The clown in the grave. Um, that's at least... The clown in the grave. Yes, when the principal is digging the hole in his backyard, and because they trick you, they make you they think, think that it's the other kid, that it's the kid that he just killed. Right. But then you see his hand come out. We don't, and it's I a clown we, costume. I guess we assume it's a child. I think it's safe to assume it's a child. It's a trick or treater. So that's like fifteen kids. Mostly children die in this movie, the and a grown is, man helps a really small child carve up a head. So I have to wonder if that might have been. Again, this is just my theory. But maybe that's why this movie didn't get a big mass marketing thing. Maybe. And I think it was also like a small indie thing as well. Um, a small I will indie s- thing? It's wonderful. I will say it's maybe implied that more adults have died. Because we see... We, we definitely get Leslie Bibb. Yeah. We definitely get the oh, girl... The werewolves that, eat a whole bunch the of The werewolves eat a... That, and that's where I was going to go with this. There the, is that. The Dylan Baker kills a, the woman he's out on a date with in the alley. All right. Um... Obviously, Dylan Baker. Then yeah. you have Brian Cox. You presume. I mean, they say they show in the credits he dies. Yeah. Um, all of the party people 
So if there's at least ten of those women, what do you mean all the party people? All oh, the, all at, the people at the werewolf at the werewolf party. party. Yeah. yeah. Um, so at least ten guys, presumably, because all the women, the whole thing was they had to find a date. They so each had to bring a date. At least ten guys there. Um, I'd go to that werewolf party. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I bet you would. Um, I'd just be like, "This is it, yo." Yeah, I mean, if you're a single dude and some beautiful woman in you know one of those Halloween outfits says, "I don't have a date. You want to go with me?" Yeah, most dudes are probably going to be like, <laughs> "Okay." Yeah, I'd be like, Duh. "That's what I'd do. That's yeah. what I'd say." I'd, I'd put on a "This is my costume" T-shirt and I'd go, and I'd I wouldn't live to regret it. So, what's his name? Tom Tom O'Pennicut. <laughs> Tom O'Pennicut, you might know him as Hilo from Battlestar from Galactica, uh, greatest hero it, of the fleet. You could guess that maybe he <laughs> dies as well. You think? Well, it's unclear. I think it's very, I think he doesn't at all. It's unclear because they don't show what happens after he finds Leslie Bibb's character. That's true. But we also know he leaves the front door open and he did commit the sin of allowing her to put out the, the thing. Well... Yes, but he tried to talk her out of cleaning up the decorations. But the only person that we see survive has a lit pumpkin. That's a good point. That's a very good point. So I think, I think you can presume that probably he dies. Wow. I don't know. I hope he's in Trick or Treat 2, which the public has been eagerly awaiting since Trick or Treat 1 came out. Well, the bad news on that is I looked it up on IMDb. Yeah? And it was, it's listed still as 2011. Ooh. So the fact that they didn't even, haven't even bothered to change that to unknown or whatever. I'm going to say something right now. <coughs> Excuse me. That mm. you're going to find hard to believe. Yeah. But I'm... I, Steve Moulton. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it's not 2011 anymore. Uh, I've heard that. But when is it? I don't... When are we now? We, oh, 2017? 17? Yeah. I got to call the DMV. You know, um, I think uh, Michael Dougherty also did um, directed some episodes of True Blood. Oh, really? Yeah, cool. Hence the Anna Paquin. Anna Paquin as Little Red Riding Hood. Also, more vampires and uh, werewolves in that. Oh yeah, true. No, there were there there wasn't a real vampire in this movie, which right, I, which but, I enjoyed. I was but, okay with yeah. that. I mean, it's it's implied that he did drink some blood. Right, right, right. And that he had but he's teeth. not an actual vampire powered kind of guy. Right. Correct. He's a wannabe vampire with some killer fangs. Yeah. Man, I love this movie. Um, I'm going to wrap up Trick or Treat because it's like there's just so much to see. Why it's talk so about colorful. it? Is what you're saying? The music is so great. Well, I mean, let's, let's, I don't know. I bet Such a colorful, more. great. It's the design of Sam. Home. I love the Sam design of Sam. Sam is the coolest. I Pop quiz right now. What? Who wins in a fight, Sam or Leprechaun? Sam. Damn right he does. You know why? Because you got to throw delicious candy at Sam and not just shoes like you can throw at the leprechaun. Yeah. And it's way easier to find shoes around your house than it is to find delicious candy to throw at Sam around your house. Um, but then again, he only attacks on Halloween night, so you should have candy on hand. Folks, you, keep your jack-o'-lanterns lit. That's what I'm saying. Um, did you know that uh, they used a lot of little people for the movie? I can imagine if, that if being there's the trick or treaters that aren't like featured, yeah, 
uh, like taking their masks off and stuff, they were usually little people. That's pretty cool. You can see, I think, one of the... um, Hey, you don't have to put them through school each day. One of the kids on the bus that doesn't speak. Yeah. um, You can see their hands are like older people hands. Oh, I never did notice that. Yeah. Um, I think the one on the bus that always makes me the saddest is the one with the Nestle Quick Bunny mask. That's the one that has the older hands on the bus. Oh, really? Yeah. Something about whenever it shows bunny in chains, I get so sad. Yeah. I feel so sad for the bunny. And then I do like that one person is just wearing a princess mask upside down. I think that's a fun costume. Yeah. An upside down princess mask. And then, uh, gosh, I love this movie. Brian Cox has like a little uh, homage to the thing. He does? Yeah, you gotta be fucking kidding me. When does he say that? At the at the end, like when he... Um, oh, when the doorbell rings again? Well, he's, or, he's on the ground and he's got the gun and the gun doesn't have any bullets and the, the things across from him and he's like, oh, you gotta be fucking kidding yeah. me. Um, Good call. Brian Cox, man. That guy's just... That guy does such good work. Drives me crazy. If one of you says shenanigans again, I'm gonna... I forget what he says in Super Troopers yeah. when he warns them about There's a lot of just like saying shenanigans. You get fun it. Fun little things. I mean, the fact yeah. that you see the characters in the background of other characters' stories That part's very it, cool. Especially at the beginning when um, you're following the first kid who's dragging his sack on the ground. And yeah, like his the camera, candy sack. Yeah. <laughs> his Halloween trick-or-treating candy sack. Uh, the camera like tilts up occasionally from the right or to the left, and you see, like, when it tilts to the left, you see... Anna Paquin and the girls, and yeah. when, it tilts, when it tilts to the right, you see uh, Dylan Baker. Pretty awesome. That would have been a great day on set. Yeah, probably would have been a neat day. Um, yeah, mostly because the, the werewolf girls were there. And I like the um, like the one girl is uh, Bo, Bo Peep, Peep. Yeah, and they're going. They go to uh, sheep's, sheep's sheep's head meadow. meadow. Yeah, and it's like the wolf wolf in sheep's clothing kind of thing. Yeah. What are, the, what are there? You got Bo Peep, Cinderella, I assume, right? Yep, Snow White. Snow White and uh, Little Red Riding Hood. Little Red Riding Hood. So kind of two Disneys and then, uh, well, I guess they're all Grimm's Fairy. Or is Little Bo Peep a Grimm's Fairy Tale or is she just kind of a random no, nursery? No, it's a ra- nursery rhyme. It's like Mother yeah. Goose, right? But Snow White, Cinderella, and Little Red Riding Hood are all Grimm, right? Those are all from the Brothers Grimm's Fairy Tales, aren't they? Uh, or am I? feel like they are. Maybe one of them's not. Maybe one of them's not. That doesn't sound correct, but I think it's okay. Maybe um, one of them are not. No, that feels weird. Uh, <clears throat> I was going to say... Um, Michael Dougherty, if you're listening. Douglas Pipes, if you're listening. A, great job on the tunes. B, who do I have to give a shoulder rub to to get Trick or Treat 2 made? Oh, uh, do you notice that when... Lori's sister calls her. Lori's Lori's Anna Paquin's character. So yes. when Cinderella calls Little Red Riding Hood. Yeah. Um, and she's alone on the street. Yeah. Uh, well, kind of a country the, road. Yeah. At that point. The um, the song the party is a remix of Cry Little Sister. Oh, is it really? Yeah. I didn't notice and that. She's at calling all. her little sister. How did I not notice that? Because you're a weirdo. I am a weirdo. You don't pay but attention that's, to these things sometimes. I, I would think for that's sure. It's my job to point that. out the little things to you. That's my job, man. Fair enough. Fair enough. You do have a probably a much more updated uh, glasses prescription than I have. <laughs> Although that wouldn't affect the hearing of a song. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's a good catch. 
Saw a bird fly by the window yeah. out there. There's a you know there's a, a whole thing with uh, the pumpkins in the movie are all ceramic or uh, foam. I would want a foam pumpkin. A ceramic pumpkin could get very heavy, and then if you accidentally yeah, drop think, it, it's I think though like you sometimes you like when you're getting props and you see like a really good looking one. I guess that's true. You grab it, but uh, so there's a whole thing where, like no pumpkins were harmed in the filming of this. None? Mm. Not even the one that's like literally being carved by the principal? That I mean, looks like that a was, very that's real the joke pumpkin? on their set was like, no pumpkins were harmed. Okay, so they said it facetiously. I guess. Clearly, some of those had to be real pumpkins. I, I don't know. They even like show some getting smashed, don't they? Yeah, I mean, the kid's knocking some over. Yeah, the jerk kid, Charlie. Yeah. Well, and Sam. Charlie. Sam's clearly made out of pumpkins. Yeah. He wears pumpkin colored pajamas. He's got a pumpkin-shaped head under that and potato the sack. Goo that comes out of him is pumpkin. His pumpkin, stringy pumpkin, pumpkin seeds? meat and seeds. Pumpkin meat. Yeah, well, maybe that's more of the guts than the meat. I guess the meat would be the stuff that you have to really scrape. Yeah, know. I don't know. Try not to burp it in my microphone. Pum- pumpkin goo. Yet again, pumpkin goo, pumpkin inny, pum- pum- pumpkin gizzards. Sure, pumpkin. pumpkin I believe they call them innards. Innards. You scrape out the innards of a pumpkin. Pumpkin innards, and really? And then you can, t- you can separate the, um, string, the fi- stringy fibrous yeah. bits from the seeds and then bake the seeds. You know what Halloween Horror Nights should have? Pumpkin seeds? I was going to say like a, a pumpkin you, carving station. Like hot pumpkin seeds in a little paper cone? Oh, sure. They could buy it for like three fifty. Oh, yeah. They would probably charge seven fifty for it. I remember in kindergarten in October, we, uh, the teacher brought in... A bunch of jars of cream, mm-hmm. and we'd each shake it a hundred times and then pass it, and we kept just passing them all around and shaking them like crazy until they became butter. And then she had us like make like pumpkin seeds on crackers with butter that we just made. It was a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool day for kindergarten. Mm. And then I uh, took a nap and didn't wet my pants. Good job. I'm happy to say. I'm very happy to say. Um... What should we do? Should we wrap up? I guess we should wrap it up. I feel like, you know, unless we really get into the plot of Trick or Treat, but that's just unfair. Experience, again, even if you've already watched it. Give it a couple weeks and watch it on Halloween night. Um, Yeah, watch it again. Uh, Yeah, there's nothing else to say. I guess we could just say goodbye, huh? Well, there is something for you to say. Nah, we don't need to say anything. You're not going to announce your two movies? Oh, no, okay. Yeah, you should do that. All right. Folks, it's mid-October. The challenge was pick two movies that put you in a Halloween mood. Wes is going to announce his two movies now. You watch them before you listen to our next episode. Wes, take us there. So I wanted to do something fun. Yeah. Something silly. Love it. Um, Something not good. Okay. Um, (laughs) Plenty of that in the horror category. Yeah, I wanted I wanted to do some like real B indie stuff, like real low budget stuff um, that's fun but still accessible that people can get. Yes, Um, one of these films is a film I personally believe is way ahead of its time. Way ahead of its time. Um, And that film is Sleepaway Camp. Oh! Please, if you're listening and you have not seen Sleepaway Camp, watch Sleepaway Camp. I remember and, being a kid and being so afraid to watch that. And it's just like it, it's a it's a mind blowing horror film. Um, In the words of uh, the ticket taker lady from Crazy People, if you want to get effed up for life, 
20 bucks is what it costs. I forget yeah. the exact phrase. So, uh, but yes, yeah, Sleepaway Camp. Okay. 1983's Sleepaway Camp. 1983? Yeah, that's but true. isn't that after the first couple of yeah. Friday the 13th? Yeah, that is correct. If you're talking everybody about... Was trying to do, everybody was trying to do, uh, like, capture... Because Friday the 13th was, like, massively successful. And yeah. made on a pretty limited... Maybe a hundred or a couple hundred thousand dollars or something. It was, it was a low budget. Yeah, Kevin um, Bacon. Kevin Bacon gave us gave the world Kevin Bacon. Oh yeah. Um, and then the burning happened like the very next year. Did you ever see the burning? I didn't see the burning. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, Jason Alexander, Whoa. Holly Hunter, definitely Fisher Stevens, and a few other really famous Fisher people Stevens. are all in this movie that is just a flat out Friday the Thirteenth ripoff, yeah. but it's still pretty fun. There's a lot of sleepaway camps. Kind of falls in that category a little, a little bit. bit. A little but boy, bit. Boy, oh boy, does uh, it then? Yeah, it put deviates. itself in a whole new. Category. It, puts it, it creates its own category. <laughs> uh, there's another one called um, Cheerleader Camp or Bloody Pom Poms. That's uh, also another one of those ripoffs. I feel like I would have definitely seen a movie called Betsy, Cheerleader Camp. Betsy. Betsy Devos. That's her name. Uh, let's see Betsy here. Ross. Cheer- no. Leader Camp. Cheerleader Camp from 1988. 88? Betsy Russell, who I have worked with. Betsy Russell? Why can't I think of who she is? Do you got her right there? She's in Saw. Show me the picture. Uh, okay. Yeah, Betsy Russell. She's, um, she's Jigsaw's wife in the Saw franchise. Yeah. Wasn't yeah. she also in a movie with Rob Lowe? I mean... I feel like she was in like a. It might have been called Private School, but I'm Private pretty sure. School. Yeah, she was in something. With Private Rob School with Phoebe Cates and uh, Matthew Modine. Yeah. Yeah. Betsy Russell. She had a reality. But, show that, a but years that's ago. a different movie. We're not really nice doing. Truly, we're not doing bloody pom poms. We're, we're talking about what? Uh, Sleepaway Camp. Whoa! Starring. Great question. <laughs> uh, James Earl Jones's brother. Oh really? Yeah. Um, I did not know that. Let's see. I'll tell you here. I really, I just followed Angela on Instagram too, and Sleep now I can't camp. remember the actress's actual. Oh uh, well, she's amazing, Felissa Rose. Felissa Rose. Felissa Rose is special. Um, what is that? What is his? What is James Earl Jones's brother's name? Desiree Gould is amazing as Aunt Martha in Sleepaway Camp. Robert Earl Jones. Robert. Earl Robert Earl Jones, Jones plays Ben in the movie. Man. Oh, and there's a uh, Christopher Collette. Christopher yeah. Collette, right? Yeah. Star of now we just watched Silver Bullet with Corey Haim. Yeah. Christopher Collette is not only in. Uh, let's see, what's it called? He's in a movie with Corey Haim, James Woods, and I think Terry Gar, where they play brothers, and I think James Woods is like their abusive stepdad. IMDb is being very slow. It won't show me the name of that movie. We're getting way off track here. But he's also in another movie with Corey Haim. Rollerblading, futuristic nightmare sensation. Roller Babies? Prayer of the Roller Boys. Okay. That's all I'm going to say about that movie. So none of that is our second film. None of that. So the first film is Sleepaway Camp. Yes. And And your pick... That puts you in a Halloween mood? Your second pick? Well, because I was doing something kind of silly, I wanted to stick with that. I didn't think like pairing it with like a good film was necessarily the right thing to do. So you don't want to go like Sleepaway Camp, Silence of the Lambs? No. 
you don't want to go sleepaway camp, Gus Van Sant's psycho. No, we're going to do <laughs> 2008's. What? Return. To what? To sleepaway camp. Get the fuck out of here. No. For real. With Vincent Pastore. Vincent Pastore? Yeah. A.K.A. Big Pussy Pompincero, right? Uh, the yeah. Sopranos? And one Isaac Hayes. Isaac Hayes was in it? Yeah. I thought he died before 2008. No. Oh my gosh. He well, that's die, good I think to he know. Died in, he might have, died in, might have died in 2008. This movie's released in 2008. They probably shot it in 2007. You know how it goes. Now, I have not seen Return to Sleepaway Camp. Yeah, but you will. At so, any point, does Isaac Hayes say, Hello, children. I don't want to give anything away. Fair enough. All right. I don't want right. to spoil anything for you. Uh, understood. Understood. Well, this is very exciting. So, for our next movie, no, for our next episode, you guys need to watch Sleepaway Camp. Mm-hmm. Then you need to return to Sleepaway Camp 2008 because it's not the only sequel. There's a two and a three, right? There is a two. There's like Unhappy Campers and I can't remember what the other one. I was feel called. like what is it? Because uh, isn't it like Bruce Springsteen's little sister is in the sequels? Um. Yeah, I don't know if it's Bruce Springsteen. Unhappy Campers and Sleepaway Camp Canoe Trip to Hell. Uh, Sleepaway Camp 2 is Unhappy Campers. All right. And Pamela Springsteen plays Angela. She took over for Felissa Rose. Yeah. And then there's Sleepaway Camp 3, which is Teenage Wasteland. Teenage Wasteland, of course. Which is also Pamela Springsteen. Pamela Springsteen. I heard she was born to run. Yeah? But don't watch those. We're going to watch Sleepaway Camp. Part 1. Return to Sleepaway Camp. 2008. 2008. Oh, this is very exciting. It's bad, and, and there's some really fun um, uh, dialogue in there. There's one kid that calls people a name, and it's kind of fun to... Calls people a name. You'll see. You'll see when you get to it. Is he any relation to Richie? To Richie? Yeah. Richie from the Digi? Richie from the first movie. Who has an epic um, name-calling tirade that I he goes on. don't think he... Are you thinking of Ricky? Ricky. No, he is not related to Ricky. Man, when Ricky cusses those kids out, oh, mwah, that is a beautiful... What's yeah, the word? Camp's got some good deaths a, in it. A tapestry of vulgarity. It's got some like... Yeah, it's freaky, it. man. It's freaky yeah. as hell. Um, um, we'll, we'll talk about that when we... Sleepaway Camp and Return to Sleepaway Camp. I'm excited. I'm ready for Halloween. Let's go do it. But I'm also ready for these movies that we're going to watch like way before Halloween gets here. Yep. Awesome. Till then, everyone. Bon cinema.